Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and the renewal of our world. We're so glad that you're listening. Okay, I'm going to ask you today, this, I don't know how this will be conveyed. Uh, what's inside of me and what I'm going to talk about today, I, you know, excited is such an understatement. I don't, I don't know what the word is to describe what I'm, what I'm going to hopefully do a decent job of conveying to you today. I don't know how it'll land. I don't know. I'll probably get in the car and think, ah, oh, I wish I had said it this way, or that, that, that happens often. But um, what I'm going to tell you up front is this, this is something that I, I'm, I'm, I'm so filled with passion about our conversation that starts today and how it influences my view of the future. When the world's blowing up, when news is so depressing, when our neighbors are fighting with each other, we find ourselves wanting to argue opinions, and it's just the world we're in today. I have so much hope for the future, and it's not optimism. It's not, well, Brad's just super positive. It is the story of God that we believe here at Dulles and the story of the future that we believe that I'm going to try at a very high level today to convey to you, and some of this may come out as controversial, the longer you've been in a church or the, maybe you grew up in church, the harder some of this is going to be for you to, to hear. Before you think heretic or what? Can a church believe that? I'm just going to ask you, give us the summer to get into the story of God in Scripture for me to explain, for us to explain why we believe and why we're excited about the future the way we are, and I, I believe will compel you. Not with our own made-up, happy, sort of ending kind of thought, but the story that God tells us about the world, how he views the world, how he views the future. Okay, so I've got so many scripture references. If I even started to do that today, like proof, proving to you this is what God means, this we, we'll be here for hours, and we don't have time to do that today. We've got Mother's Day brunches and all kinds of things going on. Uh, so I'm going to do high level today. You may be like, wait a minute. Did Brad just say Dulles Church believes what? Be patient with us, because this summer, for 30 minutes each Sunday, we're going to deep dive. We're going to go into why we believe and why we interpret God's story to say what it does. And I believe by the end of summer, you're going to be like, this, this is the greatest version of history in the future I've ever heard. <laughs> and that's not because I'm saying it, it's because God tells us. Okay? So with that, I'm going to ask you today, some of you are new, I've met some here for the first time today. Uh, you know, maybe you just check us out and investigate us today. But for those of you who called Dulles home, I'm going to ask you... <laughs> Okay, you ready? Fasten your seatbelt. This is life, big life stuff. This is like your, your future and your life. And I'm going to ask you to help us do something pretty extraordinary here. I'm going to ask you to help us build. And I, I don't mean me. I'm not asking you to help me. I'm talking about help us. You, I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm not talking to the people that are up on stage or people who just kind of do the church stuff. I'm talking about you. I'm going to ask you to help us build a compelling, beautiful, 
And I'm going to use the word irresistible, and we can get technical. I know that, that people will resist. People resisted Jesus. I mean, the self-righteous religious people resisted Jesus. There will be resistors, but will you help us build a beautiful, compelling, irresistible church? I'm not talking about the church of history or the church you grew up in or the stuff we see in the news, the, the divisive church, the church that's used politics or has centered themselves around politics, the, the church that's, that's divisive, the church that uh, is judgmental, churches and church history that have used guilt to kind of control what people do or think. I'm not talking about that church. I'm talking about the church that Jesus started, the, the group of people that have the common unity to look like and talk like and behave like Jesus. That is, I believe it more and more and more, and I know I'm a pastor and sure Brad's biased. I'm telling you, I believe this to my core. It is the most powerful force, the most compelling environment of any place on the planet is that church, the church that looks and sounds and behaves like Jesus. And it has the potential and the mandate of God to change this planet. One little neighborhood at a time, one neighbor, one struggling friend at a time, one coworker who's just going through the divorce or just needs a friend or who's angry at God. Okay, the reason so many people, in my opinion, so many people don't see the church as a compelling place, but see it as kind of boring or irrelevant to our world today or doesn't compare to the technologies of our day is because of how people believe, central beliefs that most people have. And I'm going to say many inside, the, I'm going to say most people who fill churches have these beliefs that keep people at the very best attending church rather than building the church. Because of some commonly held beliefs all around the world, including commonly held beliefs inside churches. And we just, we believe differently here at Dulles. And so it motivates me. I don't wake up in the morning and read my email and, and, and just see, you know, watch Lester Holt at night. And I, I, I go back and forth, you know, watching, okay, what is CNN saying about this? What is Fox News saying about this? That, that, can, that sucks us down into this. Our, our society is teaching us to be opinionated and to take a strong stance on, on, on one side of an issue. The church is supposed to be an alternative that is, supersedes and transcends all of the argumentative, loud opinion kind of society we live in. I believe the story of God in such a way that it motivates me above, beyond how broken and blown up our world is. I am excited about the future. Not because I'm trying to be, but because the story that I read that God gave us, intentionally gave us throughout history in the form of what we call the Bible or Scripture. I think the Bible is misread. I think it's misconstrued. I think we, and, you know, we don't perfectly understand the Bible here, but we are devoted to understanding the story of God. And so it leads us to six core beliefs that we have here at Dulles that has me so excited about the future. So <clears throat> I'm going to unpack them. I mean, i got to do this quickly today. Very, very high level. If you're like, Brad didn't explain why. I, I, I don't have time to do that today. We're going to do that this summer. 
Okay, so please don't leave. Please don't, oh, Brad's, Brad's got this crazy idea that just keep listening and join the conversation. Ask questions. We, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the first. Here's the first belief, core belief that we have here. We believe that at the very start, God created a singular space where his realm and our realm overlapped and interacted a cohesive dwelling place where God dwelled and where we dwelled. I don't believe it was just his intention to do that long ago. I believe it's still his plan and intention. And I'll explain what I mean by that uh, as, we, as we go through here. Now, let me set this up with a quick story. Our friends, Amy's a longtime friend from teenage years. They live in Pennsylvania. They came to visit us last year, spent a week, their whole family, spent a weekend, came to church with us here at Light Ridge. Uh, we went to lunch after the end of the weekend before we said goodbye to them. And the wife and mom, Amy's longtime friend, sat next to me at lunch. And she whispers to me, I don't want my kids to hear, I don't want my kids to hear me say this, but I've got, I've got a problem I need your help with. And I was like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? She said, I don't want to go to heaven. And I made some stupid pastor joke about, oh, you, you want to go to hell? And she was like, yeah, that's funny. No, I don't want to go to hell either, I don't, but I don't want to go to heaven. And I, so I was like, tell me what that, what, what do you mean? And she said, it just, heaven just seems so boring to me. She said, and I knew it. I knew when I asked her, explain this to me. I knew what she was going to say. She was going to say what most of planet Earth believes, including so many people that fill churches. She's going to tell me, heaven just seems kind of blah. Like, I want to live where mountains are and, 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 and beautiful people and my friends and my family. And she was like, you know, I said, so tell me, what, what, is, what is your picture of heaven? She described, well, the, you know, so much gold, it's kind of gaudy. And, and there's clouds and things that float. I don't know if it's harps. I don't know if it, you know, she's describing this picture that is not in the story of God. And yet so much of the planet believes it. Dull, boring, not conversation, not relational, no creativity. And I was like, Nicole, I don't want to, if that was my view of heaven, I wouldn't want to go there either. God created in the Garden of Eden a realm where humanity, earthlings, would dwell along with him. The same space. And I don't believe this was just his plan then. I believe it's still his plan. And this is where history is moving. The future of the world, God is moving, which we're going to see here high level today. And then we're going to get into the summer. God is moving the world back to that union, that cohesive coinciding of the two realms in one. Now, when you think about the Garden of Eden, we have glimpses today. We have glimpses today. Of the original intent. I, I, we went to Yosemite a few years ago. And you know, that's kind of the iconic example, I guess, in my mind. It was just unbelievable. Can't even describe some of the scenes of the waterfalls. And the met a couple that had been hiking for three months through Yosemite. And they were like, we're only halfway through it or something crazy. And last year, I got to go to Montana with some pastors from North Point Church. And I saw some places there that I thought kind of rivaled Yosemite. Like, this is crazy beautiful. But you know what? We have it here. When friends come to visit here, they're like, this place is beautiful. The Shenandoah Mountains, the, the horse country, people are shocked at the beauty so close to the nation's capital. And like, wow, the, 
Just this morning, I was driving to Middleburg, like I do a lot of Sunday mornings, to just prayerfully go over my notes. And I was closer, I was in the car driving, but I was closer to a bald eagle than I've ever been in my life, probably seven or eight feet from my car. I'm like, what? Um, now, it was standing on top of a carcass, some kind of a, a you know, so was, which actually relates to where we're going here in our next core belief, actually. It's, we see glimpses of what God intended in the Garden of Eden. We kind of get that. That part is easier for us to understand. But what else, to talk this out a little further in terms of what God created, what he intended was, let me use the men's group on Monday night. By the way, if you're interested in joining us on Monday night, we have a, probably a new guy join us every couple of weeks. We'd love to have you. It's a fire pit group for 45 minutes to an hour. We sit around, we just talk about life and work and being better husbands and dads and and it, a couple weeks ago two or three of the guys said you know Sunday morning's important to me but I swear I think Monday night is like as much of church for me as Sunday morning is and I was like that is that's what the church is supposed to look like just the encouragement you know when somebody's struggling and the way we come around each other that is a picture of what God intended that is God's space happening are, are, are collecting together to, to help a town in Poland that only the Panas family has visited or ever been to. None of us have even seen the, the, the response to give care, to be the friend late at night with somebody who's in need. These are glimpses of what God had in mind for his space. That's the stuff of him, his character, his love, his forgiveness. This was his intent all along. In the beginning, what, what so many churches and pastors believe is that the very first sentence of the Bible says God created heaven, his space, far, far away, out past interstellar space or beyond the universe. He created heaven and he created earth. That's not what scripture tells us. Genesis 1 and 2, we're going to get into this this summer. He, we're told that God created in the beginning the heavens and the earth. Heavens is the plural word, Hebrew word, that means literally means the firmament. It's plural, the sky just above us, the wind and air and clouds, and then the sky above the sky, which is where all the dots of light, the stars are. In the beginning, God created the skies and earth. He didn't create some faraway other place for him to dwell in that someday he's going to take all of his people away to and forget planet earth. Now, if that's confusing to you or you're like, wait a minute, what? And you're thinking of all kinds of questions. We're going to get into that. Stay with me. We believe that is where the work of Jesus and the whole story of Scripture is moving us toward in the future is the reuniting, the, the re-cohesion of God's dwelling place and our dwelling place back together into one. He's going to remake this place. And we believe here at Dulles that that work has already begun. It's not something, the world's not going to get worse and worse and worse. And the news, it's, the church has such an important role in all of this. And I'm jumping ahead. I'll get there in a minute. Here's our second core belief here at Dulles. We believe the world is broken. What's commonly held today, um, even, even inside of churches by so many people is, I can't figure out why this has been a big thing. So many of you have said, I just have trouble seeing where God is in this war that's happening. I mean, we're in the 21st century. It's, it's like we assume that by now we should have outgrown 
this idea of invading another country for selfish control reasons. We live in a broken world. It's not that God was good and he created a good space and then he sort of lost control somehow. This is what much of the world believes. They're confused. Like, I believe God was good. It just seems like I don't understand why he allows so much trouble or he's sort of lost interest or he's just not in control anymore. That's not what we believe. We believe that people, humans, selfishly and out of a self-created need for control created a schism where we broke our realm away from God's realm. What usually happens is people think in the future, Jesus is love and good and forgiveness and the prodigal son and the, the woman who was caught in adultery and she's embarrassed by the religious leaders and Jesus forgives her and gives her life and we, we love this view, but then some kind of switch is going to get flipped in the future where Jesus is going to give mercy to all the good people and love all the good people and say, hey, I've got this far, far away place designed just for you. And then he's going to torment a lot of other people forever. And he's going to torture them. And the story of God has been so misconstrued, particularly one thing that Jesus said that has gotten translated into, but then there's going to be this moment where God unleashes torture on a certain segment of humanity. The reality of the story of God is that at the very beginning, we want to argue about this place called hell and this, what Scripture tells us in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 and continues consistently to tell us is that we created that place. We created the schism. Hell, properly defined, the literal translation of hell is the absence of God's presence, the absence of his character, the absence of the goodness and creativity of God. This is what hell means. We like to think of hell, we don't like to, but we, we, our society, from our cartoons to just, we, we see hell as a location, as some kind of future destination. The reality is we already created it. So we broke our dwelling place away from God's dwelling place. And now we live in a world of disappointment and heartache and bullying, anxieties and depression and betrayal. And we wonder where God is. And one of the core motivators to us here at Dulles is that we believe God didn't lose interest. God didn't lose control. We broke away from the united singular space that was God's dwelling and our dwelling, and we wanted our own dwelling where we're in control. What's exciting is that God hasn't given up on his plan. He is intentional and intending to reconverge his dwelling space in our dwelling space, into what some of the apostle writers call the new heavens and the new earth. He hasn't given up on planet earth. God is always about remaking and renewal. He never throws away and gets rid of. Never. Um, I get up in the morning and I read something awful or Donald Trump or Joe Biden or this person or that, and it, it can suck you down. I'm telling you, it most of my conversations with you at coffees this year is about 
not even wanting to debate me, but just how depressing our world is today. If we stick to the story of God, if we allow that to frame our worldview and our future view, I'm telling you, <laughs> I just, I'm so excited to be a part of God's future and where all of this is steering. Genesis chapter 3, humans were banished from the Garden of Eden, not because God was even so angry as much as we chose, we want, to, we want our own dwelling, we want to be in control. Okay, belief number three. So many people around the world and in churches believe that the Bible is this sort of collection of sub-books and random stories and rules that somehow all, the, the one common denominator is they all somehow relate to God, but they're really kind of disjointed. You know, some is poetry, some is narrative, gene, genealogical records. Um, it's it just sort of this random collision of thoughts. What we believe here at Dulles is that the story of the Bible, God's story in the Bible is a singular story about God's desire and plan to reunite his dwelling place and our dwelling place. <clears throat> that the Bible is entirely the story of God's plan to reconverge heaven and earth together, what we call heaven. God's presence, God's character, God's good. No, no more aging. No more harm. No more disease. No, no more self-elevating, but elevating others. That space that is God's space is going to be reconnected and reemerged and overlay our space again. All right, now I'm going to get technical here for just a second. And I'm, 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 I risk losing your attention when I say these words. These words will probably do to you in the next moment. This is the reason for my preface. Don't check out when I say these two words. When I was a kid growing up in church, I'd hear the word tabernacle, and pfft, I'd be thinking pro football or what I want to eat for lunch or what I'm, the class I'm going to skip this week in school. Or I, I, Stay with me here. This is really important. Way back in ancient, the ancient scriptures, tabernacle became this portable, movable, temporary, it, it, looked, it would look like a pretty big, impressive tent to us, space that the people of Israel would move with them as they journeyed toward the promised land, and God gave his presence to dwell in this tabernacle. Not very exciting for you and me, doesn't seem very relevant today, but the reason it's relevant is God began in this one little location. To, he began the process of reconverging his space with our space. And eventually this temporary movable tent would become the magnificent permanent building of the temple in Jerusalem. Again, the place that held his presence. And humans could once again interact with his presence. Now, we're going to see a video here in a moment that's going to explain this really well. The imagery that the Israelites were instructed to put in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple were images of streams and rivers and mountains that depicted the Garden of Eden. When people entered the tabernacle or the temple, the place of God's dwelling, where now humans and God are interacting again, they were being reminded of the Garden of Eden. God's in his intentional plan, and his future plan. Where the beauty and creativity, the awe-inspiring wonder of God's creation overlays with the character of God 
being what fills us. Never selfish. Never taking. Never talking down. Never speaking our opinion before. Just the, the, character, the pure entire character of God in this space that he called the tabernacle, the temple. What we learn when we get this perspective is the Garden of Eden was the, the word temple. It literally meant temple. And you fast forward, Israel cannot, they cannot fulfill God's plan for them to be the blessing to all nations. We think Israel was God's favorite and he judged everybody else. No, it, Abraham and his descendants believed that God was the, the true God. And so he said, so your mission is going to be extending my character into the dark and lost and broken places of earth in my message. And they just couldn't do it. They could not cycle themselves out of needing their own space, that schism of we want to be in control. That's the story. So Jesus came to fulfill what Israel was supposed to be. And Jesus, in John chapter 1, we're told by John, was the temple. His first words, he announces the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come. John said that the word of God has now come in the flesh and he's made his dwelling among us in our realm, in our broken world. And you can see where this is going. You, I, I, hopefully you're starting to see like, oh, I think the church is starting to come into picture here. All right, I'm going to play this video. Um, it's, it's, it's just timely for me personally. My brother just left the organization, Version. He'd been there 11 years and went, went to Portland. They just got to Portland two days ago, Portland, Oregon, to work for the Bible Project. They, they, it's a phenomenal, started as a video animation, uh, an, animation studio. But uh, Tim Mackey and other theologians, a part of it, are, are teaching such extraordinary principles in, in simple five or six minute videos. And now they're extending the teachings to classrooms and all kinds of exciting things. This is what you're about to see for five minutes is the best, most concise description of what we're talking about today that I've ever seen. I've ever read or seen by any theologians. There are books that try to explain this, what this says in five minutes. Give this your full attention, and then I'm going to wrap us up here in how, what this has to do with you and me and where we're headed as a church community, okay? Uh, the, the, the teaching voice here is Tim Mackey, Ph.D. in theology, just super brilliant. Uh, I'll be back here in just a moment. Okay, again, the longer you've been a part of church or church life, the, the more challenging that some of this may be. We just don't believe here at Dulles, that there's some big emphasis on doom and gloom coming. This is, this is why so many people attend church and are not helping build the church because they're, they're unsettled about the future. Like, the closer I get to God or the closer I get to heaven, either the worst things are going to be or there's some kind of impending, you know, the word Armageddon is used and we don't seem to understand that. I am so excited regardless of what happens in America, around the world, about the role of the church and what you and I get to live out in our friendships and just the stories that we get to tell where somebody transparently, transparently opens up about what's going on in their life and we get to tell more of our story and what we're experiencing. Or, hey, come, come just sit with me and have coffee at church on Sunday and listen to what I've been listening to. I don't know how to explain it, but there's life in it. There, little by little... 
you and I are going to be living out and what if we choose to do so. If we choose to not wait for someone else to do this or wait for some kind of impending cataclysmic something, but we actually step into the story, we will get to witness and be part of watching the beauty, the character of God, the creativity of God. Just take back little by little the depressed and lonely and hurting and broken places of this world. Our next core belief here is that the resurrection of Jesus began this work. Jesus taking all the broken and ugly and selfishness and guilt and shame and things we hope nobody ever finds out about. He took all of this, our defensiveness, everything that is only outside of his realm, only in the schism space that we live in now, our, our, our quick reactions to people, our short-temperedness. Our, he took all of that on the cross and buried it. And when he came back to life in his resurrection, he began the movement of renewing out of death and ugly and broken beauty and good. Core value number five here, or belief, I should say, is... Um, I know, I know it's astonishing to say this. We're all going to raise our hands and say, but wait a minute, Brad, I'm far from perfect. Don't include me in this. The astonishing reality and truth is that the Apostle Paul, Jesus himself, Peter, the apostles teach us clearly that the church, the people who follow Jesus, not a building, not a pastor, you and I, the people, the collection, the common unity of those who've been renewed and are being renewed by Jesus, we, the church, are now the dwelling place of God on earth. Jesus is going to return someday, and he's going to complete the renewal of all things. But right now, we get to live out what his plan always was, that we are reflections and images of the creator, the character of God, and he's waiting for his people to be that in the broken and hurt and lonely and dark and lost places of this world. And at some point in the future, there will be some sort of momentum in that work of the church, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, that will lead to Jesus' re-arrival back to this planet and bringing back the completion of the overlay, the convergence of his dwelling place and our dwelling place. And you and I get to be part of that. We're not waiting for that to happen someday in the future after everybody dies or after some kind of big, big, big event. We get to begin that now. The movement of God. Church doesn't mean building. Never did. Church means collection of people that become a movement. That's what the actual word, the Greek word ekklesia that Jesus used, means a common unity shared by a group of people that become a movement. And in our case, not a political movement, not a yelling and screaming, but a movement of love and self-sacrifice. Paul says this. We don't have time to really break this down this morning, but in, in Ephesians 2, this is astonishing. I was at a conference this week. Some of you were with me in Atlanta at North Point, and one of the speakers said, it's astonishing that Paul uses these words about us, the church. Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. And we read further into chapter 2, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, Think, think here about the overlay, the, the language. Paul gets this. Peter got it. John got it. The apostles got it. Jesus consistently spoke of this. 
not some impending big awful doom that's going to come someday, but the reconvergence of God's dwelling and our dwelling. And now he's using language about the church. You and I are now the temple, the dwelling place of God. To walk into the dark and hurting places of this world. No, we're not foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. This isn't about us, ultimately. It's about him, the one who's healed and is making whole and is re-beautifying what's been lost. We see that start in the resurrection. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. In the Lord, he's talking about us being the temple. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling. The same word that was used for Jesus when he arrived, the tabernacle, is now the church. You and I are becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I wrote in my notes, little by little, we, the church, overlay God's hope, his realm, into another depressed situation, into another place of brokenness. Somehow, momentum will have grown in the future where God's temples, us, his presence in us, have lived out what he always wanted humans to be, reflections and images of him, that he will finally return to complete the remaking process, the renewal of all things, the reuniting of his realm and our realm. The new heavens and earth. In the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom. We're supposed to pray, not God take us out of here. Uh, Another person. So many people have told me this over the years. Somebody just said this to me again recently. I just can't. This is a strong believer in Jesus. Somebody who's devoted uh, to the church, uh, to their church. This is somebody who lives far away from here. Brad, I just want Jesus to come back quickly and just get all of his people out of here. Into that beautiful, glorious place far away. You know, what's sad for the person who believes that is that's not the plan. That's an escape plan. The plan is that you and I live in this broken world and emulate, not perfectly, thank God for the cross. He didn't just go to the cross with your past junk. He went to the cross with your future junk. That moment this week where you're going to get defensive or a little bit ugly or you're going to need to apologize to your kids or to the person you work with. He took all of that on the cross. And so we are worthy to bear his name and to live out in this world by his spirit in us the beauty and character and creative love that he always intended us to be as image bearers. Belief number six. This is our last one. Core, core belief here is that we aren't attending church. We're building a church. I think a a future physical building is in our future, but that's not what we're talking about. I think buildings can become such an emphasis. I talked to a pastor recently. He has a beautiful building, beautiful space, and he has so much stress on him. They they have between a six and seven million dollar debt in building this building. I I would rather us meet and gather, assemble together in beautiful buildings that Loudoun County is building for us uh, and just not put that financial pressure under ourselves. We'll have a nice building someday, but the church... That we're building is us, imperfect, broken people, people who don't have life figured out, who suddenly encounter the renewal and the patience of God. And we want to argue, yeah, but I, I can't really speak to this thing I did years ago where there's this haunting thing that 
I'm telling you, Jesus loves you as his son and daughter, and he wants to overlay into your life his dwelling place again. So much so that you become a voice of hope and good through your own story, your own experience with him. When our church puts Jesus into practice, when we look and sound and behave, I'm not talking about Pastor Brad or what happens up here. When our church, meaning us, you and me, the builders of this movement of Jesus, when we look and sound and behave like Jesus, broken pieces of this world, one by one, are made whole and beautiful and are given hope. So here's what I'm going to ask you to, uh, let's just put our, our purpose and passion here on the screen real quick. This is what we're about. Uh, we call this our purpose statement. This is, what, this is why we exist at Dulles Church. This is what we're so passionate about. We are building a community here that emulates, we embody. The Paul, this is Paul's language. The body of Jesus. Jesus is in us by his spirit, but we are the body of Jesus in this world today. That we, this community we're building, would, would embody the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbors and actually for the renewal of our world. If this is intimidating, like, I, I can't renew the world. The world's like a hellhole right now. What am I going to do? How can I... Po Leave that to Jesus working in you and through you. He tells us, he'll give us the words to say. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than your own transparent story. Forget carrying a big, heavy Bible around and preaching at people. Just tell your story. When somebody's hurting, the Holy Spirit in you will speak life. People will ask you, where do you go to church? There's something about you. You just see the world. People will start meeting you, like coming into your space. The world is craving the space of God. They just don't know it. They see God's space as angry preachers and judgmental churches. I don't blame the world for staying away from that space. That's not the space we're talking about. We're talking about the space of your brokenness and my brokenness and our ugly being renewed by the beauty and forgiveness and love of God. And now we get to extend it to our neighbors and others. Okay, quickly. Uh, I'm going to do this quick, but there's four things I'm going to ask you to do. I'm, I'm asking every one of you. Some of you are brand new, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of ride that tension between. Just, just, you just keep attending and listening, but maybe this is for you too. For everybody else, I'm asking you to commit to these four things. Summer, we're all going to travel. I'm going to travel. There's Sundays you won't be here. Understood. But when you're here, when you're in town, would you... I know this can sound a little invasive here, and I, just let me speak to you as your pastor. Would you save the yard, the front yard, for after church? Would you save the, the lunch meetup? Maybe, maybe do it 30 minutes later. Would you prioritize, when you're in town, our one hour together on Sunday mornings as we deep dive into why we believe these six things that I've talked about today? Why, how God's story, like if you're like, there's no faraway heaven place with big buildings and houses. I don't understand that. Brad talked about that so quickly. Give us time this morning to talk about why we're all moving towards the Garden of Eden again. The restoration of what God always intended. Again, you can call me a heretic. That's fine. Just don't leave. Just come. Like, I'm going to come listen to the heretic again next Sunday, and I'm going to give this a chance. 
Give us Sunday mornings. Prioritize. Prioritize this calling of God, this dream of God enough that this time together matters to you. It's not just you come when it's convenient. Make this part of your sacred, the most sacred part of your week. We're going to talk about the most exciting story on planet Earth, and we're going to do it every Sunday, and how I get to be part of it, each one of us. All right, number two, will you join me on Wednesday evenings? I'm not ready to start this yet. We have a worship night coming up with a church in Reston uh, that we're just kind of partnered with in some cool ways. Uh, On Wednesday, May 25th, is that right? I think so. May 25th. Uh, for 45 minutes, we're going to worship together. I know it's in Reston, and it, but, but after that, we're going to begin a Wednesday night in person and virtual. You have an option. 45 minutes on Wednesday nights, Wednesday evenings, the summer. Not even every Wednesday. We're going to stagger it through the summer. Exploring what the church is supposed to be. And I'm just asking you, join me. Join me online or join me in person in my living room for this, as we just talk about it. It's not going to be lots of homework or anything like that. We're going to just talk this out more like, wow, if this is true, I get to be part, we get to be part of reshaping planet Earth, one neighbor and just one friend at a time. Number three, will you help resource our church by generously giving to God here at Dulles? I'm so terrible at talking about money. Our budget is a little behind now, just after the pandemic and I'm going to give a little bit of attention to this coming up. I grew up in a church hating money talks. I swore as a pastor I'll never make the church about money, and yet church isn't free. You know, in the film festival I run, uh, we give merch, merch bags, swag bags to filmmakers and special guests, and they'll say, this is free? And it's a weird answer. We can't say, well, no, it's not free. We say, yeah, yeah, no, this is a gift for you, but it's actually not free. Somebody paid for it. The film festival pays for it. And nothing's free. Nothing's free, and I wish everything here at Dulles could be free. It, we're going to talk about that here a little bit. And I'm just asking you, would you help resource our church by generously giving so that our kids' area and our, our students and just all the areas of our church are resourced where we can do what we need to do in our community? And number four, If you've been to Dulles more than three times, (laughs) I just picked that number, will you join a team? Will you join a team and serve at least once a month? You don't need to know the team now. You can try a team, and if it doesn't work, try another team. Uh, There's no pressure, but would you you jump in this with us? Serve in some area, whether it's on Sunday morning or during the week, one time a month, as part of the movement of who we are and the collection of who we are together. Okay, I'm long here. Um, thought about doing this in two parts. I squeezed it into one part today. I love you guys. I'm going to pray. Um, if you're with me, you don't need to have it all figured out. You don't need to feel like an expert on the Bible, or you don't even need to particularly feel super close to God. But if you are excited enough to step into this, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I close and just speak to God on behalf of all of us together. Okay? Just Stand with me as we say to God, God, we don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect. We're not trying to be perfect here. But we are serious about living out your plan, your vision. The world is so desperate for something that's not doom or divisive or argumentative. The world is craving hope. And we don't have to invent it. We don't have to be optimistic people. You... 
You have done it. You, you became Armageddon on the cross, Jesus. You took judgment and crap and junk and selfishness. And you've begun the renewal. You've begun the taking what's dead and making it alive. And you've begun that work in each of us. May we live it out and walk it out in our world. May we have courage to enter into conversations and to tell our story. May we be excited to share with people who walk through our doors who are hurting, they feel excluded or left out. May we just welcome people who are broken or hurting, just as imperfect as we are. May we welcome them into your dwelling space where you heal and make whole and make new. Amen.